Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about data storytelling, how you can create your story that will sell products, breed traffic, and anything else. I'm so excited to discuss with Brent Dykes. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me, Anatoly. Yeah, it's a big pleasure. Check out your experience. Awesome, awesome. Love it. Uh, I'm excited to learn more about uh, this topic. Before we start, just tell more about your background, experience, and why you decided to share with us about uh, data storytelling. Yeah, so uh, my background is actually in marketing. So I started in marketing several years ago, uh, got into data. And then I found my kind of my passion was, uh, you know, working in analytics. So I was a consultant at a company called Omniture, which was acquired by Adobe. And I spent eight years in consulting, working with different Fortune 500 companies. And then another four years as an evangelist for the Adobe Analytics platform. Uh, and then after 12 years at, at Omniture slash Adobe, I left and went to a company called Domo, which is in the cloud BI uh, space. Uh, and worked there uh, for four years and then did a year at an agency called Blast Analytics, uh, working, starting to build out uh, data storytelling because I had basically written this book, uh, Effective Data Storytelling. Um, mm-hmm. and so that was uh, a lot of my uh, experience and, and exposure to data storytelling. And I, it was a topic that I actually pitched to our um conference we had a at adobe we had a conference every year and i pitched this idea of doing a data storytelling session it was super popular and then i started to do it every year and then started speak at other conferences and then i just found that this was a topic that a lot of people needed were interested in and need a lot of help with so that led to the book and then just last august i launched my own business where i uh, offer training consulting coaching around data storytelling Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Love it. Uh, I'm interested about uh, your experience cooperating with uh, Fortune 500 companies. Can you tell what is the main difference to cooperate with such companies that probably have, I think not probably, they have marketing departments, have uh, own marketers, but uh, how you can help them when they have own experience, uh, resources to create marketing campaigns. That means you need to provide something new and unique. Can you tell more about that? Um, you know, in terms of data storytelling, I mean, I think a lot of organizations have data. Um, and, and so, you know, in the sense, marketers could leverage a lot of data to tell interesting stories to their customers. And I think that there's ways in which companies um, can can share trends, can share um, patterns, things that they're seeing across their customer base, and help to use that in marketing. You know, so there are opportunities to use data stories in marketing, and you know, I think it's just another way. It could be something unique. You know, we've seen that from Spotify. Each year, they they send out, they use all the the data from um, different customers and how they, you know, in terms of what are the the types of songs that they're looking at, uh, what kinds of artists are they, are their favorites. And and basically they haven't, in that that case, I think it's all automated where they're just basically providing automated data out to their customers as a value add 
you know, and, and so I think there's lots of opportunity in terms of marketing, combining that with data and telling uh, data related um, stories with, with all of this rich customer data, product data that, that a lot of companies have. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, can you give me a strong reason to read your book? Because, you know, I, I love reading books, but uh, my list of uh, books that uh, I need to read, it's, it's huge. <laughs> it's a big, I don't right. know where, uh, how to find time to read all books that uh, on my list. But yeah, uh, I just prioritize my time uh, and yeah. uh, uh, I'm looking for ways where I can get more value. Uh, uh, by the way, I read books about self-improvement, marketing, sales, business, and any many other uh, posts. Can you tell uh, what kind of value can I get uh, and my audience can get by reading your book? Yeah. So if you work with data on a regular basis and you may have opportunities where you're sharing, you're communicating with others and you need to incorporate data into your, into those communications, maybe you have insights that you're sharing with other people. Um, that's going to be, you know, if you're, if those are situations where you are communicating data to other people on a regular basis, that's where my book's going to help you. And so I get into how can you do that in an effective manner? And, uh, I cover in my book, three main, the, the three main pillars in my view of data storytelling. One is data. Now from a data perspective, I'm not going to teach you how to do analysis, but what I will give you are some strategies to focus your analysis, to really hone in on what your audience cares about. Uh, then narrative. Narrative is a big part of data storytelling. That's how we, how do we take all of these, this infor- information that we have, and then how do we construct it in a way that's going to really connect with people and engage them? And then the third element are visuals. So a lot of times we're working with charts and data, and we may not know what's the best way to really convey meaningful inf- insights with charts and and how do we build those charts and how do we um, put the messaging or the storytelling with those charts. And so combining those three things are are things that I talk about in my book. Now, I I like to understand how things work. And so I look at the psychology behind why data storytelling is impactful and and how it makes a difference and how people make decisions. And, And sometimes we think, oh, data speaks for itself. Well, it doesn't uh, often speak for itself. It does need a data storyteller to really bring that story to life and, and really mm-hmm. present the information in a compelling way. So that's my pitch to you that uh, if you want to improve how you communicate with data, then then my book's going to help on that front. Ah, you got it, me. You got it. <laughs> you know how to sell books. <laughs> okay. Uh, I want to ask about... Uh getting data. Uh, you know, uh, I, I often see when marketers uh, rely uh, a lot on tools, you know, they skip many, uh, I mean, like uh, different other methods that uh, take so much time, you know, when you need to spend time on social media, social media groups to to uh, speak with uh, sales departments. Um, can you tell how to uh, find the right data and how to filter out uh, data that you don't need and which data will help uh, to, I don't know, to create the right marketing campaigns and create content? Yeah, I think in terms of Choosing the right data, it comes down to understanding your target audience and really mm-hmm. understanding, I mean, that's marketing 101, right? That we need to understand our audience. But if we understand what what are the goals that they're driving towards? What are the, uh, what are the um, 
what goals do they have? What, what interests do they have? What needs do they have? The more we understand that, then we can pick and choose what data is going to really connect with them, right? So that a lot of data storytelling is all about how well do we understand our audience? We want to focus on things that are important to them. So I, in my book, and this is probably more directed at internal audiences, um, but I think you could direct this also as, at external audiences. And so there's four dimensions that I, that I focus on. I call it the 4D model. And it's all about the audience. So the first dimension is what are their challenges? What is the problem they're trying to address, right? And so that might be where if we really understand what's what challenges they're facing, uh, that's how we can connect our product or our service to that, that challenge. We also need to understand, okay, so they have this problem or challenge. The second dimension is, okay, what is the outcome they're trying to drive? Um, and so that might be, are there certain goals or targets that they're trying to achieve? Are there certain, what's their desired future state look like? So if the problem and challenge represents their present, um, state, what is the desired future state? And, and, and then how can we get them there? That's, that's another key dimension. <clears throat> the third dimension is what are they doing today to move from the present state to the future state? So they're investing in different areas. They have different actions they're taking. So they, these are places where they're spending budget. They're, they've got resources. They're spending their time. And the better we understand what those activities are, the better we can understand whether we can help them and how we can help them. And then the fourth one, especially when it comes to data storytelling, is, okay, what are the metrics? What are the, how are they measuring success? What, how are they measuring their performance? And how can we tie into the, you know, how, how do we, help them to on those metrics to improve. And that could be simple things like ROI. It could be uh, return on ad spend. It could be, you know, uh, lead, you know, cost of, of leads, uh, different things that they're trying to optimize. How can we help on those different metrics that are meaningful, impactful? So I think if we can understand for each audience, each target audience, those four uh, dimensions, then, then that's going to put us in a better position to figure out what stories we should be telling and what's going to really resonate with them. Mm -hmm. Love it. Uh, can you tell more about technical aspect? For example, I understand that we need to consider all these four points, but how to uh, gain this data? Uh, what kind of tools or methods we need to use to gather data? And uh, yeah, uh, be uh, because, you know, uh, for example, I understand that we need to understand our target audience or probably to create a buying persona, but how to get the right data? I mean, like about technical aspect. Yeah. I mean, I think it starts with understanding, okay, if we're, if we're launching a campaign, if we're, if we have a website, if we have an app, it's all about mm -hmm. measurement. Right. And so a lot of thought needs to go into, okay, if we have this website or we have this campaign or we have this app, what is it that's important? What are we trying to drive towards? You know, and, and so a lot of times that data is going to be collected in different um, tools like Adobe Analytics, Google Analytics, uh, Amplitude. I mean, there's lots of different tools out there that measure different interactions that customers and, and visitors are having with our different content. And so part of it is understanding the volume of interactions, but then also establishing okay, there is certain content, maybe there's certain actions that we want them to take. Maybe there's certain, maybe that's viewing a video. Maybe that's clicking on a banner ad. Maybe that's purchasing a product or 
uh, I don't know if I said viewing a video or something, but there's all kinds of actions that we can identify. And then obviously then we have to do the, the effort to actually track those, make sure the tracking is in place and capturing those events that are occurring. Mm-hmm. And then we have, you know, then at that point we have a, a rich um, set of data that we can then analyze and, and then segment and, and look at customer journeys and, and all those kinds of things. But, but I think it's really thinking up front before we launching a campaign, I think we need to figure out what are, what are our goals? What are we trying to achieve with this content? What are we trying to achieve with this campaign? Um, and really hold ourselves accountable for measuring and, and then reporting on how successful we are or aren't in, in improving those goals. Because the thing is, once we launch something, that doesn't mean we're done. We can go back, we can change things, we can optimize it. And I think that is a, a discipline thing that we need to be disciplined in how we use data. Maybe we're running tests, right? So we're constantly iterating, optimizing, and improving the experience for customers. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, I, ha- I have the question about uh, creating uh, the right story. Uh, for example, you know, uh, when I open any website online, I usually uh, see e-commerce content without any stories, with uh, features, but without stories. But um, I remember when uh, Tim Cook from Apple uh, uh, shared about new Apple Watch, he uh, shared three stories. How uh, Apple Watch, by the way, uh, he sold to me this Apple Watch. Yeah. Uh, not only me, for my son, for my wife, because you know, in my family, I can't buy <laughs> myself anything. I need to buy uh, three times more for everyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Apple, Apple no, knows how to sell uh, iPhone, MacBooks, uh, uh, Apple Watches, uh, AirPods, three times more than <laughs> just <laughs> for one client. And uh, uh, I remember when he shared three stories how Apple Watch helped three uh, people. You know. Uh, he didn't share about features uh, because uh, probably other products have these features as well. Uh, when I check out uh, advertisement from BMW, I can see uh, a happy man, you know, who can drive a uh, nice looking car, you know, but I don't know about the features. I need to open special sections, check out these features if I need it, because uh, I think 75% of all decisions are emotions. Can you tell how to create your story for e-commerce page, not for a blog post, not for uh, some info content, for e-commerce page that uh, big companies can, you know, they usually set up uh, storytelling for uh, such pages? Yeah, I, I think it comes down to humanizing um, the product or humanizing the experience, making it connect with people so they can they can see, hey, that product or that you know, that category of items or whatever is, is tied to me. It, it, it seems relatable. And I think the the thing about storytelling is, you know, it connects to that emotional side. And so, you know, obviously it's going to be a little bit more challenging to do it in a transactional kind of scenario, but I think there are some techniques or things that we can borrow from storytelling to help to tell the stories. Maybe it could be where we feature help, how people are using a particular product category or, or, or a particular brand or product item and demonstrating how they, how it's affecting their lives and how it's making improvements or, and so, you know, like that could be in terms of video or um, maybe short form kind of uh, narrative that, that people can read very quickly. Um, 
and maybe, you know, when it goes down to even down to the product reviews, you know, making sure that um, you're curating and making sure that the, the mo most compelling product reviews are highlighted and, and, and are available to people so that it connects with them and they can see, oh, wow. Okay. So Peter, you know, loves this product and I can see he's very similar like me. He's using it for these particular purposes that seems relatable, you know? And so, I mm -hmm. don't know, I think there's different ways that you can bring the storytelling around products in. And I think you have to be strategic. You can't do it for all products. I think you pick and choose, you know, maybe you go through and from an e-commerce perspective, look at which product categories or which uh, particular products are really hot or, or popular or good, good profit margin. Uh, and then really invest in telling stories around those products um, and, and, and again, you wouldn't do it everywhere, but maybe strategically, it makes sense to, to make that investment and who knows it might increase sales, you know, and that would mm -hmm. be the, the test. We'd want to run a test and make sure that, you know, we're not getting in the way of their transaction, but that the, the storytelling is actually helping. And maybe you mm -hmm. might find some cases, some products or some product categories, it's more effective in those and not as effective in others, but that's mm -hmm. where I think the, the test and learn approach is really important. Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell more about testing, how to provide this test? Uh, I mean, like uh, we need to create different landing pages uh, or anything else. Uh, yeah. I mean, a simple test would just be an A-B test where you take mm -hmm. the control, which would be just typically how you have your product pages. You've really not injected any storytelling into them. And then you have a test where you run another version of that product page where, or that category page, whatever page, whatever level you're doing it and then inject the story. And then maybe it might be, you know, again, you might have to iterate on that. Maybe you try it with a video, maybe you try it with a, uh, an image, maybe you try it with uh, some more text. And, and so there may be some iterations that go on, but ultimately you're, you're testing against the control. The control would just be how it typically is today. Uh, and then obviously as you're testing some storytelling components, you may wanna test certain components and see which ones are really resonating working for your audience. But yeah, it's just comparing, comparing against the control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love it. Uh, uh, I, I want to ask you, uh, especially, you know, you wrote a book uh, for me. I love reading books. Uh, it's my passion. Uh, can you tell how to create uh, the right story, you know, uh, that will touch your audience, uh, that people want to read? Because I know it's not simple, uh, especially if you have no experience and, um, I have clients, big clients, by the way, they uh, can sell a lot. But when uh, I tell them you need to create story, you need to create content, they you can reply to me. I have no time with that. I have no experience. I need to uh, create, develop and innovate my products. Uh, tell how to create a story if you have no experience. Do we need to hire someone else who can do it to learn about our brand? Or uh, is it possible to do yourself if you know exactly uh, about your audience and your product? Yeah, I think it goes back to to what I was saying about those four dimensions, making sure that you understand what are their challenges, what are the outcomes mm -hmm. they're trying to drive, what are they, how are they interacting or, or trying to achieve that transformation, getting to their desired outcome. Uh, obviously, from a data perspective, understanding those metrics. But when once you kind of understand that you've got something that's meaningful that you think will connect with an audience, I think it is about maybe telling a story 
and and there and with every story to simplify a story you're going to have some kind of hook there's going to be some kind of thing that's going to get their interest and and if we are telling a data story as opposed to just a regular story but if if we're using data as part of our storytelling approach then that would be where we would have some interesting data point you know that's going to hey did you know that one out of every four blah 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 has this problem whoa mm-hmm. i didn't realize it was that big or you know three out of four whatever you know whatever the data is to kind of capture their attention so all we want to do first is we want to get their attention we want to get them hooked right and then mm-hmm. from there it depends on how big your story is some stories can be very short and some might take a little bit more obviously in an e-commerce example that we were talking about you don't you're not going to have much time it's going to have to be a very quick kind of story mm-hmm. so we have that hook and then from there we we move up to what i call the aha moment which is the the big climax that's that's the main takeaway like okay so three out of four people struggle with this and we found that this new product uh has you know again using data i'll say um this product has been shown to resolve this this condition or this issue in 80 percent of people and mm-hmm. a much higher rate than any other product, you know? Uh, and then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, this is great. And then, you know, and today, you know, maybe then you follow it up with some call to action where it's like, okay, today we're offering a special, maybe we're, uh, we're promoting it, you know, sign up today and you'll get um, some kind of coupon or option, you know, discount or something like that. I mean, you don't have to do that, but the main thing is just getting people interested and aware, educating them, taking on, on some kind of um, experience where they're learning, they're growing, they're um, engaging with us, and um, and that's that's the power of storytelling. It, it often what we're doing a lot of times is you know our our if you've read the book uh, Thinking Fast, Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, it's a very he's a behavioral economist and and he studied how the human mind works, and we have these two systems: System One and System Two. And system one is the in- intuition. That's that's really the the unconscious processing of information that we receive, and it's very intuitive and it reacts to information as it comes in. Well, we also have our system two, and that's the conscious analytical um, kind of typical kind of processing. But system one plays a big role in quickly forming, identifying patterns, and and looking at heuristics and. And in developing narratives, it's trying to make sense of the world around us. And so the great thing about a story is it provides the system one with a narrative that's already pre-built. It's here's how you can make sense of this. You know, there's this challenge you might be having, and this product's going to help you to overcome that. And so the mm-hmm. the narrative is really a gift that we're giving to people to, hey, this is you can understand this better. You can understand this problem or this challenge you may be having. And we're going to provide you with a solution. And, and mm-hmm. so that, that storytelling really connects with the, the emotional, the intuitive side of, of people's brains. And it's very powerful. So valuable. Yeah, love it. You remind me of two books. Uh, Josh Sugarman uh, wrote the book 40 years ago, and uh, he uh, shared about uh, uh, you need to uh, catch attention uh, when uh, someone... Uh, 
opens your content, uh, started to read. Uh, and uh, the second book, uh, White Man, and he shared some practices how you can hook this attention. Can you tell? Uh, I know it, uh, it's not simple to catch the attention. You need to provide a strong reason, you know, to read the whole content. Uh, and 80% of uh, users usually live uh, for a few seconds without any regret. Can you tell how to uh, hook them, how to catch their attention and give a strong reason to uh, consume the whole content? Yeah, I mean, I think it's about thinking about what could really, I mean, you want to have something that's relevant, that ties into a challenge or an opportunity that they that they're interested in right so it's really it goes back to understanding the audience i mean that that can be said enough and then from there i think you know you could it could be a, a data point you know that's that's where i play a lot with with the data storytelling but it could also be a quote it could be a quote from somebody it could be um could be an interesting image that that really catches their attention it could be, um, you know, a, a powerful statement um, about the product and, and what it can do. But I, but I think that the the key thing is the the hook will capture their attention, and mm -hmm. you know, and and I use all of those means when I'm when I'm communicating. In some cases, you know, it could be a really juicy fact. You know, there's just like this interesting fact that'll catch people's attention. It could be, you know, I really believe in using imagery as well. I think a, a really powerful image can really capture people's attention. And then mm -hmm. I, I also love quotes. I think quotes can be very powerful, but, but I think, you know, I think there has to be some understanding of the audience and, and then putting it out there and testing it. I think, I mean, those are, those are kind of recurring themes I keep going back to, but but I think understanding the audience and testing things. And if something doesn't work, then yeah, let's try, let's swap something out. Let's iterate Let's. I really think, you know, modern marketing is about iteration. It's not about launching a campaign, launching some content and letting it ride for three months and then evaluating what happened. No, it's like in the first day, the first couple of days, the first week, quickly making, um, staying on top of the data, making sure we're analyzing how is it effective? Is it not effective? Do we need do we need to change the copy? Do we need to change the image? Do we need to change the offer? Do we need to change? All of these things are things that are in, in the control of marketers. And I really think it's, you know, staying on top of the data, analyzing that data and, and then making small uh, iterations can be very powerful. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice, love it. Uh, okay, I have the question about, um... Crafting the content. Uh, can you share some tips how to create the story? For example, if uh, we are talking about Apple, uh, Tim Cook shared three stories. I think he can uh, share three million uh, stories, mm -hmm. you know, because um, yeah, Apple is so popular. But uh, for a new brand, if they have no audience, uh, they created high quality product, uh, competitive product, but they have no story. Can you tell what to do if you have no story and how to create this one? Yeah, I think, I mean, if you have a product, um, hopefully you're talking to customers, maybe you're doing focus groups, maybe you're doing, you know, maybe you've just launched your product and you have some loyal customers already. I think 
it can be really valuable to just sit down with customer. I mean, if it's a B2B situation, you know, that may be easier to actually talk to people and a B2C situation might be harder. And that might be where you need to do, you know, focus groups, interviews. But I think that's really important to kind of start to mine um, examples of, of how are customers using your product, you know, how in interviewing them, finding out, uh, gathering these stories. I, I think there are stories out there and you could invent a story, but I don't think that's going to be as genuine or you have the potential that maybe it's, you're just fabricating, you know, based on your own cognitive bias, you're mm -hmm. like, Oh yeah. I, customers are going to love it for these reasons, you know, and, and that's what we're going to build a story around those reasons. But maybe you might be surprised. Customers may come to you with other, uh, benefits that they enjoy about your product or other ways in which they're using it that you didn't expect. And I think that's part of that discovery process that, you know, if you're are, if you're launching a product, you need to talk to your customers, you need to, early adopters, you need to understand what's compelling to them. Why, why are they embracing your product? Why are they giving it a chance? What do they like about it? And maybe, maybe the feedback is they don't like your product. Okay. Well then that's good too. Because mm -hmm. then we need to fix some things. We need to, you know, maybe there's some areas that can be improved. So again, I think this is, this is an important um, step to really understand your product, how customers use it. And then as you start to see some patterns or trends where it's like, oh, they really seem to like it for this specific uh, purpose and, and they've used it. Maybe some customers share how they've used it and how it's benefited them. And then maybe you can, you know, with permission, maybe you can share those as a testimonial. I mean, that's, that's a super powerful story, a testimonial from a customer. That's probably like the top of the pyramid. If, if, if you don't feel you could use an actual testimonial, then maybe you anonymize it, right. Or you, you turn it into a, a representative example of a customer, not the actual customer, but a customer like this and, and share that scenario or that use case or that the benefit that they really like. Um, but that's just me thinking out loud how you could maybe get the stories and and, and leverage them. But I think it's a, it, you need to talk to your customers. You need to get that understanding. And, and there may be ways in which you can do that with a focus group as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, got it. Um, I want to quote something from your LinkedIn profile. Whether it's optimizing marketing initiatives, streamlining uh, product production costs or enhancing sales performance, there are no limits uh, to what we can do with data. Uh, I love it. You know, uh, let me tell why. Because uh, I think um, I get the question, what kind of content I need to post on LinkedIn or Twitter or TikTok, you know, it doesn't matter uh, which. Uh, I, I think people are trying to limit their possibilities with some standards. You know, where, for example, LinkedIn is only for B2B. TikTok is only for uh, young people. Uh, Facebook is only for adult. Um, yeah, uh, I, I'm not sure it's a good idea to limit yourself when you have your strong side. Uh, and uh, uh, can you tell uh, why you share that data uh, has no limits? Well, I mean, I just see it as, as super powerful in terms of helping us to make smarter decisions, to understand our customers, understand our business. I mean, I, I just see it as, as uh, grease, you know, or oil that just going to make the whole, the whole uh, machine operate better and more efficiently and more effectively. And so I just see it as something that 
you know, maybe it's still not always as popular with some, some people, or, or maybe it's an afterthought. You know, I've seen that a lot of the times where working with different marketing teams where it was kind of like, Oh yeah, we need to collect the data or we need to have, have we thought through what we're going to track or, you know, and there's so much emphasis on the creative on the execution side, but then the analytics gets left um, to last minute. And so I feel like uh, the data is, is really limitless because it can, it can shape what products we build. It can, it can help us to make those products successful. It can, help us to, to know when to move on to a new product, uh, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, set, letting go of a product and, and not investing in it anymore. So I think just having the data and, and being able to collect it and, and analyze it and bring those insights back to the team and make better decisions about where do we invest our time and effort. I mean, data, data is the engine in my, my view for all of those decisions. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I I just you know I'm biased though I I, I recognize I'm biased I, I have a bias towards using data and feel like it, mm-hmm. it is something that's, it. that is useful. Can you tell some mistakes that businesses can uh, make by analyzing data? Uh, because um, I, I often see it when webmasters take uh, data from their competitors, but competitors usually highlight strong sites uh they have some strong positions uh and uh, but all businesses have own unique selling proposition and they don't understand that uh, it's better to avoid some uh part of content it's better not to create such marketing campaigns because you are weak site your competitors have strong sites can you tell about common mistakes that businesses make by analyzing data and creating their marketing campaigns yeah, I mean, one of the one of the big mistakes that I think people make when they're analyzing the data is that they have a particular outcome that they already want to support, and so that's mm-hmm. that's one of the dangers as a marketer, right? That we 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 want to something to happen. We want a particular outcome to to be the success or the the approach that we're taking or the recommendation or whatever. And so what happens is we then cherry pick the data to fit the agenda that we have. And so maybe we have a particular hunch or maybe we have a particular approach we'd like to take. And then we cherry pick the data, the numbers to support our approach. And, and that's dangerous because when we don't take a wider view and really maybe look at data that conflicts, that maybe maybe there's information that shows we shouldn't go into this marketing channel. But, mm-hmm. but personally we feel like, Oh, but I'm really, I went to this conference and I saw that TikTok is the best. And, and I think we really need to do that. And, and so I think we need to, to go this way and I'm going to get data that shows that we should do TikTok mm-hmm. and I'm going to ignore data that shows that maybe we shouldn't do TikTok because maybe our target audience is not in TikTok, but, and yet, you know, we, we, we get the data to support our, hypothesis and and we don't look at data that refutes our hypothesis and so i think that's a big mm-hmm. danger whenever we're trying to prove a point with data um i unless we're open to maybe the data showing we were wrong uh then then you know we're not really using data the way it should be used because the data can tell us a lot of interesting things about 
what we're doing, what's successful, what's not successful. And if we only want to hear what's successful and ignore what's not successful, uh, then we're only getting partial value from the data. And, and maybe in some mm -hmm. ways we're, we're twisting it, we're manipulating it. Um, and, and that, that's not good. I mean, I think we, we need to be open-minded and we need to listen to what the data can tell us and then we can learn. And if we mm -hmm. are not listening to the data, then we're not learning. And, you know, and that's where we can, we can set up big mistakes. You know, we can, we can mm -hmm. set ourselves up for failure because we don't want to listen to the data and then eventually the data will come back. Okay, here you go. Here's, here's what failed. Here's, you know, and, and maybe that's, you know, that's, that's after mm -hmm. we've spent a lot of money on something. So yeah, mm -hmm. we want to be careful. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Uh, okay. I have the question about the future. What kind of future can you forecast today about uh, data? Probably AI will replace humans by analyzing data uh, or uh, they can't. What do you think about the future? <laughs> I, I'm kind of in the middle. I, I see a big role for AI and different technologies like that augmenting what we do on the data side. So I think I don't see uh, technology completely replacing me as a data storyteller because I think as a data storyteller, I'm going to understand the context. I'm going to understand the audience better. I'm going to be able to craft a, a more compelling data story than, than a, a machine could. But what the machine can help me as an a data storyteller is helped me to process a lot of information very much more easily and spot anomalies in the data, trends in the data, patterns in the data that I might not be able to spot on my own, you know, because I would have to do that manually and, and it would take a long time. Whereas I can feed a bunch of data into a machine, an algorithm, a model, and quickly come up with, with some different anomalies that are meaningful and, and can mm -hmm. kind of direct me in different directions. So I see it as a, a combination of the two. I see technology helping us to do a better job with our storytelling, do a better job with finding insights and it can complement us. I don't, I don't see it as replacing analysts. I, I see it as complementing analysts and complementing uh, data storytellers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it. Yeah, uh, totally. I think uh, today AI are not ready. You know, probably in the future, we don't know, we will see. But today, yeah, of course, AI can help simplify uh, experience uh, by gathering this data. Uh, and I have the final question. Uh, can you help uh, people who want to jump on this field, who want to uh, write their stories, uh, learn more about data, probably to sell the service to others uh, or uh, in the future to write their books. Can you lead them in the right direction? For example, if you start from scratch without any experience, skills, knowledge, uh, what would you do to learn more about uh, data? Yeah, I mean, again, if you're somebody who hasn't really had a lot of exposure to data yet, I think part of it is just doing what you can, getting, you know, getting some access to some data, analyzing it. It doesn't have to be in, in a fancy analytics tool. You can start with Excel. Everybody has Excel. Everybody has Google Sheets. These are tools that you can do, uh, run some analysis, do some formulas, you know, and as you get more and more complex, more and more comfortable with working with data, then you can graduate to, to doing more complex things. But I, I don't, I, I, I really believe that everybody can and should be doing some level of analysis uh, on the data that they have. And, and it doesn't have to be big data sets. Uh, obviously, if you have 
big data sets and you feel a little bit overwhelmed, it might be looking to an analyst and, and recruiting their help to kind of coach and mentor you rather than handing it off to them. Say, I don't want to just have you do this analysis for me. I want us to do this analysis together. And I want you mm -hmm. to kind of train me how to do this. And so, you know, for them, it means less work potentially because they don't have to do all the analysis themselves. You have to find the right anal analyst. Some of them may be less patient and less willing, may not have that nurturing, mentoring, coaching kind of uh, mindset, but I but I think many analysts are are want people to use the data that they've collected, and uh, in, in want to empower them to be able to to do analysis on their own, and so then mm -hmm. they can kind of coach and mentor you up in the skills. And and again, I don't think it has to be super complex. I think you can start with basic data sets using basic tools like Excel uh, or Google Sheets and. And, and you can start going down this path. And then eventually, as you start to find things that are interesting, uh, you know, I would encourage you to share those with other people and, and test your data storytelling capabilities, you know, with your manager, or with a coworker, or maybe there's, you know, maybe there's somebody else um, on the team that you can share your findings with. And, and then through practice, and, and you'll get more comfortable with visualizing the data and more comfortable with communicating with people and delivering and crafting the messages. So it's really a combination of maybe getting out there, trying to do some basic analysis, get support if you need it, and then practice, practice, practice. And I think those are the baby steps that you need to kind of get started with this. Awesome, awesome. Especially about practice, practice, practice. <laughs> because I think it's the same, like, I don't know, uh, to read a book, how to play tennis. You know, if you can read a hundred books, how to play tennis, but if you don't play, <laughs> you, right. you can't be good. Yeah, good with that. I think, yeah, uh, exactly. You know, uh, I usually uh, love spending time with learning, but uh, in most cases, I act because any skills, people forget about new getting skills for a few weeks uh, if they don't uh, practice them if they don't especially you no know, uh, some skills can be obsolete some skills uh, don't work for you you need to check it out you know yeah to practice love it uh, yeah. Brenda, it's a big pleasure to get on my show to learn from you tell our audience how they can reach out to you learn more about you follow you and buy your book <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so book is available on Amazon, other retailers. Um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm, I do a lot of posts on data and analytics and, and data storytelling. Um, so LinkedIn is very good. You can follow me on uh, on Twitter at Analytics Hero. And uh, yeah, and then you can check out if you want to learn more about my book, I would encourage you to go to EffectiveDataStorytelling.com. That's, that's a website I built for my book and you can learn more there and and there's some blog posts and uh, you can see i also write for forbes and so you can see a lot of the articles that i've written for forbes reference there so a lot mm -hmm. of uh, good content at effective data storytelling.com uh you can type uh the address of this book in private chat uh guys uh, if you listen uh, this episode on apple spotify or google you can find all these links in the description below i'll submit them uh so yeah follow brand on linkedin uh by his books because yeah it's amazing you know you can see that he shares a lot of valuable insights so uh, it's a big pleasure again you know uh, to learn from you and uh, listen us on apple google spotify see you next time 
Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.